One of the four chief organizers for the massive women's march that took place on Saturday is a, quote, Palestinian-American Muslim racial justice and civil rights activist named Linda Sarsour. Sarsour, who also served as a Democratic National Convention delegate, was honored by President Obama's administration as a champion of change. Fittingly, she also posed in Chicago with an alleged Hamas financier. Fitting because Barack Obama used to give speeches in honor of Palestinian terror mouthpiece Rashid Khalidi. So, what exactly drove Sarsour's ire during the Women's March? Here's a clue from 2014. Quote, 10 weeks of paid maternity leave in Saudi Arabia. Yes, paid. And you're worrying about women driving. Puts us to shame. If you wonder why hundreds of thousands of women declared themselves brave for marching in favor of taxpayer-funded condoms while doing nothing for women abroad who live in abysmal circumstances... This would be it, a complete lack of perspective. Maybe one reason Saudi Arabia is happy to pay for maternity leave is because they bribed their citizens not to rebel against the autocratic regime through massive welfare payments. Maybe another reason is because the government wants to encourage women to stay home rather than working. In Saudi Arabia, as The Week reports, women can't get a passport without the permission of a husband, father, or other male guardian. Most women can't drive. Women are prevented from wearing attractive clothing. Go to public areas. That those, if you go to those areas that are non-segregated, they won't let you if you're a woman. Or even try on clothes at stores. This is just another piece of evidence that, the, that a government big enough to give you goodies is big enough to take away your rights. And it turns out that people who think Saudi Arabia's maternity policies, rather than re- their restrictions on female driving, probably shouldn't be a guide to female freedom in the United States. But the left would prefer never to focus on such matters, since that would obligate them to favor Westernism rather than multiculturalism abroad as well as at home. So much for the Women's March. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So many, so many things to get to today. I am so excited about all of it. First, the, the left had a, a, a very strong reaction to Donald Trump being sworn in on Friday, and it was all available in this little nutshell video. I think this embodied the, the primal fear of so many folks on the left, uh, the outrage, and also I couldn't stop laughing at this for several days. This is, just watch. Darth Vader, no, from this lady. <laughs> it's spectacular. So she waits until oh, oh, Trump gets inaugurated, and then the, the no screaming to the sky. Yeah, I'm sure this is going to win people over. It's not like, it, I'm sure, look, I'm sure that she just defeated Trump. Trump isn't going to be president anymore because this crazy lady, is that a dude or a lady? I assume that's a lady, uh, is screaming to the sky about Donald Trump. So all of that is spectacular. Okay, so before we jump into the substance of the day, and there's so much to get to, we have to say thank you to our sponsors over at Blue apron. So several years ago, my wife said to me, you know what the most annoying thing about cooking is? The shopping. The most annoying thing is the shopping, picking the recipe and then having to go out and shop and figure out what sort of portions to get and where to get the best ingredients. Blue Apron solves all of that and they solve the recipe problem too. So what they do is they allow you to pick from a list of recipes and then they send you the ingredients, these fresh ingredients from the recipes for less than $10 per person per meal. They deliver seasonal recipes along with those pre-portioned ingredients to make those great home-cooked meals. And also... 
Each meal comes with that step-by-step recipe. It takes 40 minutes or less to prepare all of their recipes. Everything is super fresh. They guarantee that all of their ingredients are ready to cook or they will make it right for you. Uh, a lot of my friends have tried Blue Apron. They say that it's truly delicious. A lot of folks at the office are big fans of Blue In L.A., pretty much everybody uses Blue Apron. It's become a very big thing in Los Angeles. Go to blueapron.com slash Shapiro right now, and you get and you get a discount. You get, the, you get your first three meals free with free shipping. First three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Shapiro. You will love how good it feels and how good it tastes. I promise, uh, I, as I say, I know a lot of people who use Blue Apron, and they really do uh, enjoy it. They love it. Uh, it's, 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 it's not expensive. It is very, very fresh stuff. And, um, again, those first three meals you get free with free shipping by, by going to blueapron.com slash Shapiro. The meal cooked to order, but you're the one who actually makes it, and the ingredients come fresh so it doesn't feel all gross like it's from a restaurant. Okay, so much to talk about here. Let's begin with the anti-Trump protests and the Women's March. So the left can't deal with the fact that Trump was sworn in on Friday. And we'll get to Trump's inaugural speech in a second because, as always, we uh, we like to be intellectually honest here at the Ben Shapiro Show. It's something that we actually care about. So we're going to tell you the truth, not a bunch of crap that you want to hear uh, because if we did that, then we might have double the ratings, but we'd also have half the moral value. So what we're interested in here at the Ben Shapiro Show is actually telling you the truth about what's happening in politics and in culture. But first, we begin with this truth. The left does not know how to deal with Donald Trump. So at the inauguration, there are a bunch of people who go nuts and they start burning trash cans and they set a limo on fire. You can see this, this tape of this limo on fire, this picture of this limo on fire. There are rumors going around for a while it was Jesse Jackson's limo. That turned out not to be true. It would have been beautifully ironic if the protesters burned Jesse Jackson's limo <laughs> in protest of Trump. But that turned out, I guess, not to have been true. Uh, so they set this, this limo on fire. And uh, look at how many members of the media there are. Right? They're, they're just itching to create this perception like the world is burning, like everybody's going nuts. The truth is... People are upset, but the world is not burning. Nothing is going nuts. It's all going to be okay. The republic is pretty durable. We've survived a lot worse than Donald Trump. We've survived a lot better than Donald Trump. The idea that everything is going to go nuts and and cars will burn, everyone will die, it's (coughs) not true. It's a bunch of crap. So the the left is burning things, and if they think this is going to win allies, I don't know why they think it's going to win allies, but they did this, and the media covered it up the wazoo. It would be like one burning car, 200 members of the media. And you would see that, and there was, again, there were those burning trash cans. I guess there were 219 total people who were arrested during the inauguration. Uh, that's not a huge number of people arrested. It's some people arrested, but the way that the media were playing it, right and left, were that there were these massive riots taking place in Washington, D.C. Not true. There, it was a pretty minimal number of people who were very upset. Meanwhile, the media really played up this women's march. So the, the day after the inauguration, all across the land, women left their homes and went out to march in the streets for something that we don't know what it is. Uh, honestly, I don't know why they were marching. They were just out there to signal that they don't like Donald Trump or something. No one knows quite why. What do you want? We don't know. When do you want it now? So they, so everybody apparently was incumbent on everybody to bring a sign, and they all brought signs. Uh, a huge number of these signs were about abortion and also about pussycats for some reason. Uh, I assume that the the signs about pussycats were not, in fact, about pussycats. They were just about Donald Trump and his comments on the Access Hollywood bus. So some of these signs you'll see, like this one, is just sick, right? It's a a bleeding coat hanger that says on it, never again. I don't know if these people understand irony at all, but you're using the coat hanger to kill babies, like a million babies a year. 
So I'm not sure whether that's an anti-abortion sign or a pro-abortion sign. If that's a pro-abortion sign, comparing not allowing people to murder babies in the womb to the Holocaust is a weird comparison. That's one I haven't seen before. Also, I love these ones that were produced by Neral Pro-Choice America, the, the National Abortion Rights Action League. They don't like to call themselves that anymore because they don't like to use the word abortion, but they produce these pre-made signs that say, keep your laws off my, and then it's a picture of a pussycat, right? Okay, a couple of points about, about this particular attack. People were wearing what they were calling pussy hats, like pussy cats, but hats, okay? And these were supposed to protest Donald Trump because Donald Trump is such a sexist. If you want to drive Americans out of your camp, a quick way to do it is just keep saying things like pussy hats over and over and over and then talking about female anatomy. A, a lot of these signs are super obscene. There are a lot of kids who showed up to this thing, and there are a lot of really obscene signs. Like, th there was... We can look at some more of these. Uh, here's, here's some more of these signs. It says, we stand up for our human rights, planet, dignity, bodies, diversity, health, social justice, equality, America, women, environment, integrity. It's a lot of things to stand up for. Uh, when do you sit down? Uh, and then, it, and then <laughs> and these are some of the more innocuous signs. We can see another, another picture of the signs. Um, this is uh, the people holding up signs of Trump just saying, nope, and we're watching. But these are, these are the not obscene signs. Some of the really obscene signs like, had full pictures of vaginas. Like, there's one that said, read my lips, but the, the L in lips, for some reason, was just a giant vagina. Uh, and then there was another one that said, the patriarchy can suck my bleep, right? And th if this is supposed to make people feel bad about Donald Trump, I'm confused. Half of the reason that the Trump tape was offensive is because of the casual way that he was addressing the female anatomy. If you just keep shouting the word pussycat without the cat over and over and over... All that's going to happen is you desensitize people to the idea that it's kind of offensive to use that word publicly. All you end up doing is just, like, your vulgarity is making Trump's vulgarity more acceptable, not less acceptable. But people in this Women's March don't understand that or don't care. The Women's March didn't accomplish anything other than to make people feel solidified, I guess, in their opposition to Trump. Apparently, it, Nate Silver did something I thought that was interesting. He looked at how many people actually marched in various areas of the country. And what he found was 80% of all the people marching were marching in areas Hillary won. So it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. There were, it wasn't like there's some big upswell in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. All the people who showed up were in Washington, D.C. and in Los Angeles. Okay, so the Women's March happens and the media make a huge deal out of it. It's the biggest deal that ever happened. The March for Life is happening this week. They will immediately ignore it. The March for Life will have twice as many people in D.C. alone as this march had across the country. It won't matter. They'll proclaim that it didn't even happen. They'll cover it on page A12 of the New York Times. That is actually media bias. And we'll get to the media bias in, in a second. First, we have, to, we have to point out also that the celebrities got involved in this women's march. Madonna said that she, she went to the women's march, and then she said she wanted to blow up the White House, which is acceptable language if you are a, a crazy old kook that has more Botox in her than Nancy Pelosi's entire warehouse of Botox that exists in San Francisco. Shh, it's a secret. But, she, but Madonna goes up there and hears what she has to say about the White House. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Well, hold on. If Ted Nugent said that with Obama there, how fast do you think Secret Service would be there? Pretty, pretty damn quickly, right? I mean, come on. But Madonna can say it, and I guess people just assume the Botox has inf infused her brain, and so she can't actually think anymore. 
that that's pretty amazing stuff. Ashley Judd, who you remember was supposed to run for Senate in Kentucky, she hasn't made a movie since like 1932, I think. Uh, she hasn't made a good movie since 1918, like the invention of the motion picture. Ashley Judd was in it. Uh, she, she, was she ever in a good movie? Uh, I'm not sure she was ever in a good movie, but she used, to be, uh, she used to be a decent actress and very pretty. Now she is just Ashley Judd. So here's Ashley Judd talking about Donald Trump. I am not as nasty as a swastika painted on a pride flag. And I didn't know devils could be resurrected, but I feel Hitler... In these streets, a mustache traded for a toupee. Nazis renamed the cabinet electroconversion therapy, the new gas chamber, shaming the gay out of America, turning rainbows into suicide. Notes, I am not as nasty as racism, fraud, conflict of interest, homophobia, sexual assault, transphobia, white supremacy. You can stop her there because she's crazy and we're running out of time. So Ashley Judd says that the toupee is the new Hitler is the new Hitler mustache, which is interesting. Uh, She also says she compares the gas chambers to electro conversion therapy. This is a myth that they've been purveying about Mike Pence. It's not true. The idea that he's in support of electrocuting gay kids. (laughs) But she's saying all this stuff. And, And again, if they think that this is somehow going to win them converts, I don't know who the hell they're talking to. Who are they talking to? Does Shia LaBeouf think he's winning converts to the anti-Trump cause with behavior like this? Here's Shia LaBeouf, fresh off being dragged out of a Broadway show because he's totally insane, screaming at this person. This is his best performance since since at least Transformers 2. Hey, here is Shia LaBeouf. The existence of the white people are... He will not divide us! He will not divide us! He will not divide us! This is going to bite out his jugular and just, just the actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf having a good time over here. So, yes, I can't imagine that Americans are, are not paying attention to, uh, to, I can't imagine that Americans are ignoring all of this stuff. They're paying attention and they're going, if this is how the left responds, I thought that Trump was supposed to be crazy, right? Trump was supposed to be the nutcase. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're, you're making it real difficult for, for Americans to turn away from Trump when you act like this, gang. Okay, we have to say thank you to another advertiser, and then we'll get to Trump's inaugural, uh, which I want to talk about in an honest way, as I say, honesty above all else. So if you are in dire need of, of casual wear, if, if you like sweatpants or sweatshirts or underwear or great, uh, just great socks, all of this, you can get it at MacWeldon.com. So MacWeldon.com, they believe in smart design and premium fabrics and simple shopping. Uh, they are the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants that you'll ever wear. I own a bunch of their gear, and it is super comfortable. In fact, I threw out all of my other underwear. I only wear Mack Weldon underwear now because it is, in fact, the most comfortable underwear that I can wear upon me. Uh, it, is, it is spectacular. They also have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means that you're, if you are wearing a, a sweatshirt, you're going to stink less, uh, which, is, which is great. MacWeldon.com is where you go to get their gear. It is top of the line. As soon as I get home, I don't just wear these, sna- I, I don't wear these snazzy outfits at home. I actually get into casual wear, so I spend a lot of my time in MacWeldon wear. And uh, Mack Weldon, there's a reason for that. It's super comfortable, uh, and it, it is classy looking. MacWeldon.com, you get 20, 20% off your order if you use promo code Shapiro. Promo code Shapiro, MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K, Weldon.com, and get 20% off when you use that promo code Shapiro. Again, top-of-the-line fabrics, top-notch clothing. Okay, so 
we will, so we'll jump into the, the Trump inaugural and then we'll sign off. But first I want to give a quick note on the Trump inaugural address to, to folks who have been waiting. So I, it makes me sad we didn't have Friday shows yet that I couldn't respond immediately to the Trump inaugural. But uh, of course, the, the, mo- the biggest takeaway was the fact that Donald Trump actually channeled Bane from Batman in the middle of this speech. This is the actual mashup. And giving it back to you, the people. And we give it back to you. <laughs> The people. <laughs> it, it, it actually is a direct quote, which is amazing. Um, but the, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, th- this is obviously facetious. Trump is not Bane. But the, but the sort of populism that Trump was espousing, this nationalist populism, has nothing to do with conservatism. And we're going to have to break on Facebook and, uh, and on YouTube. But you can go over to DailyWire.com to see why. We'll go through his entire inaugural. Then we'll get to Sean Spicer. We're going to do all of it in a very short period of time before Andrew Clavin breaks down the door with an axe. So DailyWire.com, if you want to become a subscriber, watch the rest. Become part of the mailbag on Thursdays. Make sure that you can watch the rest of my show live. You also get, right now, a, f- a signed copy, of a free signed copy of my novel, True Allegiance. And... More goodies soon to come. Dailywire.com, eight bucks a month. And if you get that annual subscription, you get a free signed copy of my book. Thank you. And uh, join us there right now. Go there, sign up right now, and you can watch the rest over on the most conservative, the most popular conservative podcast in America. So Trump's entire shtick is this populist shtick. For all the people like Sean Hannity who kept claiming over and over and over that Trump was a true conservative, Trump is not a conservative. Now, that's not a reason not to vote for him. I'm not going to talk about voting or how you voted or how you should have voted, because that's over. It's done, right? He's president now. Now we're going to do something that I like to call honesty. Okay, Honesty exists in this realm where when Trump says something bad, we say it's bad. And when Trump says something good, we say it's good. In fact, we did this the entire campaign, right? We had good Trump. We had bad Trump. Okay, this is going to be four years of epic good Trump, bad Trump, because some of what he says is good and some of what he says is bad. His inaugural address, some of what he said was good, and a lot of what he said was really, really not conservative in any way, not even not even a little bit. So we're going to jump right into this. Here is Donald Trump talking about the people. This is very smart stuff. What he does in terms of his populism is actually really smart politics because it's designed to go over the heads of the media. It's designed to suggest, I am in league with you, the people. And therefore, and therefore, you should trust me with your future. And he sets himself up. He, Trump understands better than virtually any other politician. I said this during the election cycle. Trump understands better than virtually any other politician the art of opposition. He understands you have to set up enemies and then knock them down. So listen to all the enemies he sets up and then knocks down in this clip from his inaugural address. Politicians prospered, but the jobs left and the factories closed. The establishment protected itself, but not the citizens of our country. Their victories have not been your victories. Their triumphs have not been your triumphs. And while they celebrated in our nation's capital, there was little to celebrate for struggling families all across our land. That all changes starting right here and right now because this moment is your moment. It belongs to you. This is great. I mean, it's really smart political language. Again, what he's doing is he's setting himself in opposition to D.C. and the quote-unquote establishment and politicians who are getting rich at your expense, and I'm with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's pure demagoguery, but it's great stuff. I mean, it's great politics. And then... 
On top of that, he dumps something else, which is also going to be very popular. He talks about patriotism. This is the stuff that makes the left totally insane, and he knows it. He knows that when he says stuff that is sort of overtly flag-waving, star-spangled banner patriotic, the left doesn't like that sort of stuff. It makes them uncomfortable. And so here is Donald Trump on patriotism, and this is a very smart line, what he's about to say here. At the bedrock of our politics will be a total allegiance to the United States of America. And through our loyalty to our country, we will rediscover our loyalty to each other. When you open your heart to patriotism, there is no room for prejudice. Very smart line from Donald Trump. And then you get, of course, the, the obligatory shots of the, of the folks in the crowd who are, who are you know, veterans. So when, when you see Trump do this routine on patriotism, again, very smart politics. Trump is doing this sort of patriotic, nationalistic routine. And some of that is very good. I mean, we should obviously pursue our national interests. We shouldn't be pursuing anybody else's national interests. Obviously, I agree with that. That's a conservative principle. But here's where he goes not conservative. And that is Donald Trump does not believe that the best way to pursue American principles is limited government individual liberty. He didn't mention that at all during his speech. That stuff does not exist for him. Donald Trump is a European far-right leader. Donald Trump is a guy who says, let's stand up for blank, and blank is the name of the country. Let's stand up for blank. And the way that we're going to stand up for blank is we're going to be patriotic. We're going to be patriotic, and we're all going to stand together. And that means you give me lots of power to do all the things that I want to do for you. Right? He said in the middle of the speech, I'm going to give power from D.C. back to the people. And then he listed a bunch of ways he's going to take power from the people and use it on behalf of the people, right? which is not conservative. So here is Donald Trump, for example, on isolationism, right? Here's his foreign policy. This is isolationist foreign policy. It has nothing to do with traditional Reagan conservatism. For many decades, we've enriched foreign industry at the expense of American industry, subsidized the armies of other countries while allowing for the very sad depletion of our military. We've defended other nations' borders while refusing to defend our own. And spent trillions and trillions of dollars overseas while America's infrastructure has fallen into disrepair and decay. Okay, this is pure Ron Paul type language. Take the money back from overseas and then we're gonna spend it here at home. It's also Bernie Sanders type language. Here's the problem. Okay, we tried this during the 1990s. It led to 9-11. The idea that the world is not interconnected, that if you just ignore the rest of the world and retreat into Fortress America, that you're going to be safe, it's not true. And none of this is mutually exclusive. You can say it's worth defending the borders of other nations from terrorism or from encroachment by Russia, say, and also say that we should protect our own borders. These are not mutually exclusive. He's creating a false opposition here because he's an isolationist. So that's not traditional conservatism. You can like it, you can dislike it, but it's not traditional conservatism. Donald Trump on free trade. Again, this is not traditional conservatism. We've made other countries rich, while the wealth, strength, and confidence of our country has dissipated over the horizon. One by one, the factories shuttered and left our shores, with not even a thought about the millions and millions of American workers that were left behind. The wealth of our middle class has been ripped from their homes and then redistributed all across the world. But that is the past. And now 
We are looking only to the future. We assembled here today. Okay, we can are stop right there. I mean, that's the basic message. Now, there are a couple of problems with this nonsense. Number one, it wasn't a bunch of evil businessmen who decided they wanted to screw American workers and moved abroad. It was a bunch of bad regulations, which he's cutting. But the idea that it's, it's free trade that's destroyed American industry is just not true. 85% of all job loss in manufacturing is not due to free trade, it is due to technological advancements. Worker productivity has increased, number of workers has not increased because technology has gotten that much better. Also, this idea that Trump says, and he's been saying for a while now, buy American, hire American, that we just do, let's do everything here. Let's do everything here. Okay, this is a hallmark to to non-free regimes going all the way back to Mussolini, this idea that we're going to shut our borders, do everything in-house. Imagine that you tried to do it this way yourself, that you're going to do everything in-house. There's a guy who did this. This guy tried to make his own sandwich, okay, just from scratch. He tried to make his own sandwich from scratch. It took him six months and cost him $1,500 to make a sandwich. Hey, that's not rare. That's because free trade is what allows you to have a nice sandwich on your table. You didn't make the bread. You didn't make the meat. You didn't grow the lettuce. You didn't have to spend water on the irrigation. You didn't have to slice it. All you had to do was order it at Subway for three bucks and get not enough meat, right? That's all you had to do. But for Donald Trump and his perspective on trade, his perspective on trade is that trade makes America poorer. That is not a conservative perspective. It is also a big government perspective because it is a regulation that prevents you from making the sorts of choices you want to make about what you buy. Now, listen, his policies may, may benefit you. You may be one of the, the workers his policies benefit. This minority of workers, his policies help. That doesn't make it conservative any more than if you are the beneficiary of a, of a, of a welfare check from Barack Obama's administration. That doesn't make his policy conservative. Okay, this is not a conservative policy. Other not conservative things. Here's Donald Trump on the mission of government. At the center of this movement is a crucial conviction that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Americans want great schools for their children, safe neighborhoods for their families, and good jobs for themselves. These are just and reasonable demands of righteous people and a righteous public. Okay, this is not conservative. The job of the nation is not to serve its citizens, it's to protect their rights. There's a massive difference. If the job of the nation is to serve its citizens, that means it can seize the wealth of some citizens to help other citizens. If the job of a nation is to serve its citizens, it means that this, the nation should presumably cover housing and health care. When he says that the, the nation exists to provide jobs for people, the hell it does. The nation exists to get out of the way so you can create. That's what the nation exists to do. I assume he means the government, not the nation, because a nation is more than the government, right? We're, we're a nation that, that exists beyond our government. This is not a conservative message. And then this, was, this, I thought, was the least conservative portion of his speech. This is where he just listed a bunch of promises. This is, a lot of these are straight out of the Obama playbook. So, it's, again, you remember when, when Barack Obama, at his inauguration, uh, he, he proclaimed, well, it wasn't his inauguration, but in one of his speeches, he declared that this was the moment, I think this is when he won the Iowa caucuses, this is the moment when the, the tides would begin to recede, Right? Everything would begin to get better. He'd fix the world. Here was Donald Trump's all fix the world moment. We will bring back our jobs. We will bring back our borders. We will bring back our wealth. And we will bring back our dreams. We will build new roads and highways, and bridges, and airports, and tunnels, and railways all across our wonderful nation. That right there.
Okay, so number one, I didn't realize that we were desperately in need of railways all across our nation. What is this, 1870? We'll build new roads and highways. And again, this is all from the giant infrastructure playbook. This is Steve Bannon's playbook, this nationalist, this nationalist populist crap where we have a huge government that builds lots of big things. And because it builds lots of big things, that's for you, the people. Okay, again, it's not about you, the people, being given things by the government. It's about you, the people, actually having rights that the government protects. But never in here did he mention rights. Never in here did he mention liberty. Never in here did he mention freedom. Never in here did he mention the Constitution. Never in here did he mention the Declaration of Independence. You can like the speech. It's not a conservative speech. Donald Trump is not a conservative. Now, what's going to be interesting is that Donald Trump's policies, that's not to say he won't pursue conservative policies at times. At times he will. There will be crossover. Just like European populists very often have crossover with conservative philosophy, that doesn't mean they have the same goals or that they share the same philosophy. And that's important because it's now your job to determine what's true and what's false, what's good and what's bad. And there's this notion, and we'll get to this in a second, there's this notion that there, there are two con- competing notions about Trump now that justify him saying things that are, that are, that are not conservative and also not true. We're going to get to him saying things that are not true in just a second. These two notions are, but Obama and, but Trump will do good things. And the, but Obama, I, I keep hearing from everybody, right? Every time he hits the media and he lies to the media, everybody says, well, media can't say anything. After all, they were, they were kissing Obama's ass for eight years. Well, that's true. That didn't make it good. But Obama is not an excuse any more than it's an excuse when my three-year-old comes home from preschool and she says that the other kids in the class got candy. Why can't she? Okay, she can't have candy because I don't want her to have candy right now. And if she hits somebody and she says, well, somebody at my school hit somebody too, the answer, well, I guess, I guess if, I guess if little, little Timmy hit somebody, I guess you get to slap him too. And that's not how it works. Okay, that's not how morality works. Morality doesn't go out the window just because but Obama. I criticized Obama because of these things. Not because I didn't like Obama. Because I didn't like the things. Okay, they, they, become, they continue to be bad things, even when there's somebody on quote-unquote our side doing it. Okay, beyond that, there's the second excuse. Well, but Trump's going to do good stuff. Just wait and see. He'll do good stuff. Good! So when he does good stuff, I'll praise him. Excellent. Today, he said he was going to cut regulations by 75%. Good. Yes. Good Trump. This is good Trump. See? Here's the good Trump face. Okay, yes. Good Trump. Okay, that's good Trump. But... When Donald Trump says things that are not true, it doesn't make the bad things good just because he does good things. Every action has to be judged on its own. You don't get to determine that the person is overall somebody you like and therefore all the bad things magically become good. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. There's no halo effect to individual actions. Just because I did something wonderful doesn't mean I can't also do something really stupid. I said this last week when John Lewis was criticizing Trump and saying silly things about Trump. I can say he's a civil rights hero. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about with regard to Trump. Right? Did I say, well, he's a civil, the left did this. He's a civil rights hero. Therefore, you can't say anything. No, he can do two things at once. Something good and something bad. Be intellectually honest about all of this. So now it's time for, for to, we're going to be honest about Trump and the media. So first, Donald Trump said, uh, he was speaking to the CIA. Donald Trump is fiercely concerned fiercely concerned about the perception of his own popularity because he spent his entire career building this false impression that he is the most brilliant businessman in the face of the earth, the most popular person who ever lived, all of this stuff. And he is popular and he is successful, but he feels the necessity to declare to everybody that he, he is the most popular. He's not just popular, he's the most popular, right? He's not just successful, he's the most successful. He's not just rich, he's the most rich. He's richer than anybody you could ever imagine. He's the richest person on earth. 
because he's obsessed with this, he gets himself into trouble and he starts fibbing. So at the CIA, he apparently stacked, now they're confirming, CBS is confirming. And yes, CBS confirmed it. So I will believe it because it's confirmed. And if they're lying, I'll say they're lying. But don't give me the, oh, now you believe CBS. Because sometimes they say true stuff. When they say false stuff, I'll say that. See how this works? Really not difficult. But Donald Trump apparently stacked the first like 40 seats of the CIA hearing, the, the speech that he gave uh, with supporters. So they were all cheering really loudly. First, he said that maybe we'll keep all the oil. Maybe we should invade countries and keep their oil, which is uh, not really good policy. Uh, just, just as a general rule, we shouldn't invade countries for their oil. That seems like something Saddam Hussein would do. Second of all, here is Donald Trump actually talking about the media. So he goes after the media. Why? And because he's we, Donald Trump and he likes to go after the media. This is the second Trump clip at 15. Listen, you my first stop is that, as you know, I have a running war with the media. They are among the most dishonest human beings on earth. Right? <laughs> And they sort of made it sound like I had a feud with the intelligence community. And I just want to let you know, the reason you're number one stop, uh, it is exactly the opposite. Exactly. And they understand that. Okay, so, so it's just the media. He says it was just the media that made up this feud with the intelligence community. I was there. You spent the last two months saying the intelligence community was full of crap over the Russia reports, and then you literally suggested that the intelligence community was like Nazi Germany for leaking meetings that you had with the heads of the intelligence community. That wasn't just the media. That was you. Okay, I, I can hate the media, too, but I reserve my hatred for the media for when they say things that are false. Again, it's amazing to me that people would say, well, you know, he, the, but the media deserve it because they're always lying. And when they lie, then we should criticize them. And when they don't lie, then we shouldn't. Okay, so, and then he goes on and on about the, the crowd size. Because, again, this is just narcissism at play. Again, this is the day after he, this is the day he's inaugurated. I think this is the same day, right? The day he's inaugurated, he goes and speaks to the CIA, or the day after. He's speaking about the crowd size. He's legitimately the president of the United States now. Crowd size does not matter. It matters zippo, right? I mean, he, he was fibbing about his crowd size during the campaign sometimes, but that was during a campaign. Now he's the president. Who gives a rip? Who cares? How is this even mildly, remotely relevant? Doesn't matter. Trump talks about the crowd size. The media is lying about my crowd size. They're trying to make me appear unpopular. They're trying to make it look like the crowd wasn't that big. Who cares? But he can't stop himself, so here we go. And I was explaining about the numbers. We did a, we did a thing yesterday, the speech. Did everybody like the speech? You had a lot. So I've been given good news, but... But we had a massive field of people. You saw that. Packed. I get up this morning, I turn on one of the networks, and they show an empty field. I said, wait a minute. I made a speech. I looked out. The field was, it looked like a million, a million and a half people. They showed a field where there were practically nobody standing there. And the, the agents and of the CIA are just sitting there like, what? Hey, really? What? <laughs> we're in the What? We're in the intelligence business. We're not in the crowd spotting business. What? And, and yet there he is doing this. So he, he, so he leads off this routine where the crowd is just, it's, it's all lies. It's all lies that, that Trump had. The media were saying during the inauguration, I was watching it, the media were saying that he had a crowd that was not as big as Obama's. Okay, so first, let's look. Was the crowd actually as big as Obama's? So this was what was tweeted out originally by a reporter at the New York Times to show the crowd between Obama and, uh, and Trump. There's Obama on the left, and it's totally full, and, the, and Trump on the right, and it's like half empty, at least. And people were saying, well, these are the, the, those photos, 
that were taken here, that doesn't show the full extent of the crowd. It was taken too early. And that's true. So here, so they did actually a time lapse of uh, PBS did a time lapse of what the crowds look like over the course of the day. And this is actually real. OK, here's what the Trump crowd looked like. So you can see it's filling up. Right, this is very early in the morning. The sun isn't even up. Now it's starting to really fill up. And this is over the course of the day. So the front of it is completely full. And you see it's filling up, filling up, filling up. Okay, so over the course of the day, is it like totally full at any point? It's getting fuller. Right, but it's not It's not like that picture of the Obama crowd. It just isn't. Sorry, so that was at its like, ma- right, there that's pretty much at its maximum. Right, they'll zoom back out. That's pretty much at its maximum. Like it gets, a, it gets a little more than this. You can keep playing it. Um, by the very end, the crowd looks like you know something like that. So in so in any case, that's a very big crowd. Okay, it's like eight hundred thousand people or something, but it's not one point five million. It doesn't matter. The narcissism takes over, and so Trump sends out Sean Spicer, who's his 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 guy, right? He's his press secretary. He sends out his press secretary, and his press secretary just goes out and rips into the media over what? Over, over crowd size. Over crowd size. Here's what Spicer had to say. Member, some members of the media were engaged in deliberately false reporting. For all the talk about the proper use of Twitter, two instances yesterday stand out. One was a particularly egregious example in which a f- reporter falsely tweeted out that the bust of Martin Luther King Jr. had been removed from the Oval Office. Right there. That's true. What he said, what Spicer is now saying is true. This is a good example of when you should hit the media, because what he's saying is true. Now, the reporter immediately took it back, but it doesn't matter. A lie has a chance to get around the world and all that. So that's true. And then he says some stuff that's not true. After it was pointed out that this was just plain wrong, the reporter casually reported and tweeted out and tried to claim that a Secret Service agent must have just been standing in front of it. This was irresponsible and reckless. Secondly, photographs of the inaugural proceedings were intentionally framed in a way in one particular tweet to minimize the enormous support that had gathered on the National Mall. This was the first time in our nation's history that floor coverings have been used to protect the grass in the mall. That had the effect of highlighting any areas where people were not standing, while in years past, the grass eliminated this visual. This is also the first time that fencing and magnetometers went as far back on the wall, preventing hundreds of thousands of people from being able to access the mall Not true. as quickly as they had in inaugurations past. Inaccurate numbers involving crowd size were also tweeted. No one had numbers because the National Park Service, which controls the National Mall, does not put any out. That's true. By the way, this applies to any attempts to try to count the number of protesters today in the same fashion. We do know a few things, so let's go through the facts. We know that from the platform where the president was sworn into 4th Street holds about 250,000 people. From 4th Street to the media tent is about another 220,000. And from the media tent to the Washington Monument, another, another 250,000. Because now he's estimating crowd size. He just said you can't estimate crowd All size, and there he's estimating crowd full. size, right? And he, and he does this with the turnstiles, too. So he goes out there, and then he says, what you guys should be covering is what we tell you to cover. Okay, so he says all this stuff. Half of it's true, half of it's not true. Okay, some of it's just not true. And, and then he takes no questions and walks off. So his first 
job as press secretary. He gets out there, screams at the media, and then leaves, which is just a genius thing to do. Okay, we have to pause for just a second and say hello to our third advertiser over at Birch Gold. So Birch Gold, obviously, if you're looking to invest in precious metals, you need to talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Check it out right now, birchgold.com slash Ben to invest in precious metals. You can legally move your money out of your 401k or, or IRA into gold or into, into precious metals with no tax consequences. They help you do it. Go to birchgold.com slash Ben to check it out and make sure that uh, you ask all your questions. And then if when you're going to invest, they again, they have five-star reviews, an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. They're the folks I trust with precious metals investing. Birchgold.com slash Ben. Okay, so Sean Spicer says all of this, right? Sean Spicer goes out there and he makes a fool of himself. And then Kellyanne Conway, who's another one who was up for press secretary but ended up as a senior counsel, has this unbelievable interview with Chuck Todd over this. You did not answer the question. Why did the president send out his press secretary, who's not just the spokesperson for Donald Trump, he could be the, He is also serves as the spokesperson for all of America at times. He speaks for all of the country at times. Why put him out there the, for the very first time in front of that podium to utter a provable falsehood? It's a small thing, but the first time he confronts the public, it's a falsehood? Chuck, I mean, if we're going to keep referring to our press secretary in those types of terms, I think that we're going to have to rethink our relationship here. I want to have a great open relationship with our press. But look what happened the day before, talking about falsehoods. We allowed the press spray to come, the press to come into the Oval Office and witness President Trump signing executive orders. And uh, of course, you know, the Senate had just confirmed General Mattis and General Kelly to their two posts. And we allow the press in. And what happens almost immediately? A falsehood is told about removing the bust of Martin Luther King Jr. from All the right. Oval Office. That, no, that's just flat out false. And, the and it was corrected immediately. But why, Chuck, but why was it said? No, Chuck, me, why was it said in the first place? Because everybody know. is so presumptively climb, negative. Climb the head of that no, reporter. that it's okay. No, excuse me. Oh, no, 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 no. That reporter was writing to the, uh, on behalf of the press pool. That, that falsehood that. got spread 3,000 times but it does before not it was excuse. corrected. Excuse and me. It's it still does out not there. excuse, and you did not answer the question. I did you, answer no, your question. No, you did not. You did yes, not answer did. the question of why the president asked the White House press secretary to come out in front of the podium for the first time and utter a falsehood. Why did he do that? It undermines the credibility of the entire White House press office no, on day don't one. Be so, don't be so overly dramatic about it, Chuck. What it, it, you're saying it's a falsehood, and they're giving Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. But the Let me stop right there. That was the phrase that got everybody, alternative facts. No, there's no such thing as alternative facts, which is what Todd says next. He says alternative facts are called lies. This is correct, right? If, some, if there's a binary situation... If it's true, it's either true or it's false that the, magnom the magnometers are, are, are somewhere in the crowd, right? It's either true or false that this, is the second, that this is the first time they've used these sorts of coverings on the National Mall. It's false, right? Those are not alternative facts. It's a lie. But she says this, and the entire right goes, okay. A lot of people are like, oh, right, okay, fine, whatever. Big deal. Is that really a huge deal? Now, it is a big deal, and it's a big deal if you care about what Trump does. If you want Trump to be popular, you can't have his people doing stupid things like this. You can't. Hey, Steve Kerr, this became a big thing all over the country. Steve Kerr, the coach of the, of the, of the, uh, the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr comes out and he says he was in Orlando and they ask him about his career as an Orlando Magic player. He says, according to Sean Spicer, I had 14,000 points. Right? Then the, the, Dallas, the Dallas Stars, the NHL Dallas Stars, they put up on their Jumbotron 
a crowd estimate for that night that night's game and says crowd estimate 1.5 million. Right, so this becomes like a running joke is that is that Sean Spicer did this, this alternative facts routine. Alternative facts don't become okay just because you like the person saying them. It's not smart. It's not smart, it's not good, and it's not right. And when Kellyanne Conway does this routine, she, by the way, she added that Donald Trump would never release his tax returns. Now they've walked that back. She says, yeah, well, now nobody cares, so we're not going to release the tax returns anymore. Okay, lies don't become okay, and that was a lie during the campaign. If they said the whole campaign, we're not releasing it because of the audit, and then they say, well, screw it, we're not releasing it at all. I'm old enough to remember when I cared about Barack Obama's college records. I'm old enough to remember when I cared about Barack Obama releasing all of his documents. But apparently now it's okay so long as it's our side doing the lying. That's not good and it's not okay. And none of that means Trump's policies are going to be bad. Some of them will be very good. He signed some executive orders today that are good. He's going to do some stuff that's bad. If we want to be honest about our politicians, be honest. Don't be a hack. Okay, time for a quick thing I like and then a quick thing I hate. So, things I like. A lot of people have been doing the whole Trump is Hitler routine, so that means that I've been rereading all of the biographies of the various dictators. Uh, so I'm reading a biography of Mussolini right now um, by uh, R.J.B. Bosworth, and there's this quote that I think is relevant. Here is what Mussolini says, quote, We permit ourselves the luxury, this is the essence of fascism. You know, Jonah Goldberg has said that fascism is leftist. There are a lot of people on the left who say that fascism is a right-wing phenomenon. This, I think, sums up what fascism is. We permit ourselves the luxury of being aristocratic and democratic, conservative and progressive, reactionary and revolutionary, accepting the law and going beyond it, according to the circumstances of the time, place, and environment, in a word, of the history in which we, much live, in which we must live and act. That's a direct quote from Mussolini, defining fascism. And I think that that's a pretty good definition of fascism. If you don't care about principle, if everything becomes okay just because the guy's on your side, if it's even okay to get violent because the guy is on your side, which is what we're seeing now from some people on both sides, then we're in serious danger. But not because of Donald Trump, because of us. It's our job to call out truth, and it's our job to call out falsehood. Okay, final thing, a thing I hate. We'll do one quick thing I hate. So Saturday Night Live... Uh, didn't actually, they can't help themselves. They, they just have to demonstrate to the entire world how much they're in the pocket of the left. And so at the very end of the episode, this week's episode, they spend the entire episode bashing Trump and treating Kellyanne Conway like she was some sort of floozy. They finally finished by singing a tribute, uh, as they're singing a tribute to Barack Obama upon leaving. Like really, like a sincere tribute. <laughs> Here we go. It's a joke. who can sing to do it. They just had some they had some woman from their cast get up there and sing to Sir with Love to Barack Obama. Yeah, and then you wonder why everybody on the right is going... Like, I see the motivation for why people say, okay, let Trump lie as much as he wants. Let Trump do whatever he wants. I mean, look at these people. Come on. Come on. Okay, this is not good for the political discourse. The worship service on both sides of the aisle is really bad, but it started with Obama. Okay, the right did not worship Bush. The left worshipped Obama. They still worship Obama. Signing off what is supposed to be a comedy show with somebody warbling off-key 
to serve with love to Barack Obama. It's just an amazing sign of what the left is. And then you wonder why the right won't trust anybody in the media. Yeah, it's because of stuff like this. Guys in the media, okay, I've said my rule for the right. It applies to the left also. Okay, call it call what's true, true. Call what's false, false. If you go beyond those boundaries, no one is going to be able to even engage in the realm of truth. Instead, we just fall back on partisan hackery. Nothing ever gets done. We just scream at each other. We have stupidities like the Women's March and like Sean Spicer's press press conference, and we pretend that this is the new normal. It shouldn't be. The normal should still be that we expect truth of our politicians, even if they're incapable of delivering it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix midnight mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code HELIXPARTNER20. Hey, 